Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. I apologize that this is coming out a little bit late, as all of you probably heard if you listened to our last podcast. Whew, I, uh, I was feeling rough. I was a little bit under the weather, and luckily, I'm kind of better now. I don't know. I'm afraid that one sneeze is going to send me off the deep end on this podcast, so I'm really going to try to hold it together. Uh, you know, life with a 10-month-old. It comes with a lot of uh, sicknesses, you know, for all of you parents out there. uh, I feel like I've just been sick for probably like the last month and a half. But this last week really uh, threw me for a loop. Uh, Sunday, I didn't go to the game as I was planning on. I was still managed to watch it, still managed to get a microphone in front of my face, even though that was probably ill-advised for many different reasons. But I am back. I took some of the time, you know, while I should have been resting Uh, And I wanted to dig into some of the stats that have caused the Falcons this four and five start, right? They've got one more game ahead of them against the one and eight Cardinals. They need that win. Taylor Heineke called it their Super Bowl. I don't know if I would go that far, Um, but this is a huge game for all intents and purposes. You get back to 500 heading into the bye week. And then you really have six games left to uh, a little bit of a sprint to the end of the season. I kind of feel like the Falcons even though a lot of people are are doom and gloom right now, based on some of the things that they've said, you know, kind of keeping the bigger picture in mind with player usage, they've been conservative with injuries. That doesn't just kind of speak to full-on desperation week in and week out mode to me. It kind of makes me think that maybe they felt this stretch run was going to be feasible and that they've maybe had an eye towards the post bye week when maybe then they let it rip. But look, like I'm tired of I'm tired of saying, hey, just wait, hey, just wait, hey, just wait. They got to prove it. They got to do something because time is running out, right? If if you, I mean, God forbid, if they lose again on the road in Arizona, it doesn't matter what your long term plans were, right? Like you have some serious immediate issues that you've got to figure out. So they're, they're kind of walking a really really tight line right now. Where if if they did have kind of these bigger season wide strategies and plans for the entirety of the year. All right, you know, you're you're pretty pretty close to crunch time here where you've got to hit the uh the eject button and make some moves and and get going and let it all rip. Otherwise, your season is is in jeopardy. I know the NFC is weak. I know the NFC South especially is weak, but it, it's just interesting to see how they've uh, handled a bunch of different things and where it's led and where the pressure is now. So, I I just wanted to kind of dig into five stats. So I've got five stats that I believe have really played a a role in the Falcons four and five start uh, to this point in the season. So that is going to be today's episode. No guest. You've got me. I'm going to take my new voice, my refreshed voice out for a uh, a little bit of a test spin today. So that's what we've got for you guys. Um, First, I just want to do a brief injury update. So on Thursday, I'm recording this uh, Thursday afternoon going to put it up right afterwards. So thank you guys for listening if you're listening uh, tonight. But Drake London returned as a full participant. That is good news, right? That is getting your number one receiver back. That's what the Falcons have been waiting on. Um, so it is good to see him back. A bunch of other players, D. Alford, Richie Grant, Marco Hellams, and David Onyemata were limited participants in practice. So that is also 
really good news that they're kind of trending in the right direction. Mac Hollins did not participate for a second straight day. So that's a, a little bit troubling. But look, if they can get Drake London back, like I think they can win this game without Mac Hollins, even though I've, I've had a lot of fun actually watching Mac Hollins play this year. So a little bit of an injury update for you all uh, right there. I just wanted to kind of get some some news and notes out of the uh, the way before I hop into uh, the majority of today's show, which again is going to be a look at um, just what the uh, the Falcons kind of stats say about their four and five start. And I think I found five good ones for you. So that is coming up right after this. The last of the major pro sports leagues is off and rolling and college basketball is ready to go as well. Bet online remains the top spot for all your live betting action and contests, no matter the league, no matter the season. They've got NFL, college football, UFC, and the NHL, which are all in full swing. And Bet Online is the number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. You can get all the hoops betting action along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time. So head to Bet Online today, and this is the important part. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, and you'll get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. I'm going to say that again, 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, so I mentioned the uh, the five, five stats that I believe have, you know, played a pretty big role in the uh, the Falcons being four and five because they've been in some very close games, right? They've... They've had games that have come down to the wire that they've won. They've had games that have come down to the wire that they've lost. They've had a couple of games that got out of hand, right? I'm thinking Detroit, Jacksonville, for sure. Um, but by and large, they've they've managed to keep these games pretty close. And when you do that, I think that some of these stats, even though they may not be glaring, right? If a team has seven sacks, you're, you're probably not winning that game. Or if you're the team that had seven sacks, you're probably going to win that game. Like, that's not really a hard stat to identify. These, some are a little bit obvious, some some may not be. Uh, so let's go ahead and just kind of look at the first one. The first one I wrote down was uh, starting field position, right? The, the Falcons are one of the worst teams in the NFL when it comes to starting field position. Uh, 38 of, and before actually, before I start, I should say that uh, Dave Choate, the Falcolic at the Falcolic uh, himself. Uh, he wrote a great piece kind of covering this for the Falcolic, which I recommend everybody go check out. Um, he wrote it last week before the the quarterback change to Taylor Heineke and really just broke down why the starting field position has been bad for the Falcons, but also why that bad starting field position is really leading to missed opportunities for Atlanta and setting the back. So I, I went ahead and took... Um, some notes here, 38 of their uh, 104 drives this season have started inside of the 25. So not on the 25, that's inside of the 25, which is the, you know, the the line that you go to if you get a touchback on a kickoff. So that's notable. There's a reason I picked that number and, and Dave picked that number as well. But 38 of their 104 drives uh, have started inside of the 25. So that's over a third of, of their drives so far this season. On these drives, on these 38 drives, they have 20 points. That's 0.526 points per drive. That is almost half a point per drive. That's an issue. That means that they're not going down the field and scoring. And and that's going to be a key part here in one second. 
Um, they rank dead last right now in both punt return and kickoff return average. Their punt return average is 5.1 yards. Their kickoff return average is 16.7 yards. So again, if that's your kickoff return average, that means you're having to basically field the ball like the 10-yard line to get it out past that 25-yard mark that I that I talked about, that kind of magic number there. And I don't there aren't many kickoffs in the NFL that land at the 10. So it's it's not often happening that you're really moving the ball out past. A lot of these drives for Atlanta start on the 25, like a lot of the lead or the returns and, and drives start around the league. They they start at the 25 because of the touchbacks. But the Falcons have not only had kind of poor uh, returns, they've had really poor decision making, more so probably on punt returns, right? We all know what I'm talking about. Mike Hughes has had a several uh, that just did not look good. A couple against Tennessee. Keith Smith had that one play against Tennessee where it's just a unit that really over the last couple of years, I thought has played well for Atlanta. Their special teams have been a strength. This year, they've been such a a weakness for them because they're consistently putting the offense kind of behind the eight ball. But there are a couple of other aspects that are, are just doing this as well. It's not just the the return guys, right? Or the return unit a couple other factors in to the Falcons kind of poor starting field position is this is a good one, right? Defensive stops kind of deep in, in their own territory. How many times have we seen teams go for it on fourth down, you know, deep in Atlanta territory, the team makes a stop um, and kind of gets the ball back for the offense. Well, then they're starting behind the eight ball, but for a good reason, right? Your defense made a big place. So and now your offense is taking over in a disadvantageous situation, but you'll kind of take that and then you hope your offense can do something with it. Uh, you know, but another reason is not enough turnovers on defense, right? You're not putting your offense in really advantageous situations either. You're not getting uh, an interception at your opponent's 32, right? We saw the safety, but you know, that that's not really going to set your offense up. That's going to get two points on the board, but then they get to punt it back and your offense still has to drive the length of the field. And so I, I like I I think it's a combination of many different things when it comes to the Falcons poor starting field position. They're allowing teams to drive the ball on them when they've got the ball or when their opponents have the ball and you're on defense, you're allowing them to drive the ball, maybe not reach the end zone, because I think the Falcons defense is going to done a good job of bending but not breaking. But they're getting the ball to midfield. And then you can punt it and you kind of pin them back at their seven, eight yard line. And the Falcons have to start their drive and go the distance. And again, as Dave points out, and he does a much better job kind of laying out all of the, the different intricacies in his piece than I uh, am doing right now. So I would highly encourage everybody to go check that out. But he, yeah, he just lays down the, the scenarios in games of really good opposing punting. And the Falcons have faced some really good opposing punting poor decision-making by your return units, and then, you know, just a defense that's bending but not breaking, not getting the turnovers deep in their opponent's territory, and, you know, an offense that moves the ball but doesn't score and can't kind of string together these long drives, which is why opponents, if they can pin the Falcons deep and make them have to sustain 13, 14 play drives, it's a recipe for success. Um, My next stat, and it's one that I wanted to kind of pair with the thing that I've said a couple of times now, and I'm sure I can hear a few of you ghosts over the radio being like, what are you talking about? They're not getting turnovers in opponent territory, right? They just had 
two against Minnesota. You know, they had two fumbles on Minnesota's side of the field. Lorenzo Carter picks one up, runs it all the way to the one-yard line. How could the defense set the Falcons' offense up with better field position than being right on the doorstep? And you're right. You are right, listener ghost. But my second stat, the Falcons have not been good in goal-to-go situations. They have not been good at all in goal-to-go situations. In fact, they're 29th right now in the league in scoring touchdowns when they have goal to go. They're scoring 52.9% of the time they get a touchdown. So that, you know, that number sounds not that bad, right? Their red zone conversion rate is 50%, so 52.9. But again, they started the ball at the one-yard line against Minnesota. They couldn't punch it in, right? They had the ball at the one-yard line against Tampa Bay. They fumbled. Desmond Ritter was about to run the ball into the end zone. He fumbles. They had the ball again kind of at the, I can't remember who was the 7-yard line or the 13-yard line, strip sack. So we're seeing time and again the Falcons get into these situations and not just the red zone, right? There's a big difference between the 20 and the 10 and the 10 and the goal line. Not only because defense gets harder, right? Every, Every offense gets harder. Defense gets a little bit easier. The defenses you're playing get kind of harder is what I meant to say because everything is so condensed, but the Falcons should be a team capable of of punching the ball in, right? They've got different threats on the ground. They've got some big bodies through the air. This is a more complicated and trickier problem, I think, for the Falcons to figure out than, you know, something like starting field position, because there's a lot that goes into goal line play. There's a lot that goes into red zone play. It's not easy. There's a reason a lot of good offenses struggle down in the red zone. And, if I had the answers, trust me, I wouldn't be sitting here talking into a microphone um, with you all. I I would be out there doing it. But it's it's a really tricky, complicated situation to figure out, but it's costing them games. Because when you are going in and you've got these prime opportunities to score touchdowns and you're coming away with field goals or worse, and there have been plenty of or worse scenarios for Atlanta so far this year, And you look and you say, man, they lost by six points, right? That is the difference between some of these wins and losses is your play in these goal-to-go situations. Because again, they're getting some pretty decent goal-to-go situations. I I didn't look up all of the number of times they've been in goal-to-go because, again, I've been sick. I was doing this late last night. But they've been in quite a few off the top of my head. And I really can't remember the many times they've punched them in, right? There were several against Washington, the delays of game the turnover, the interception. So that kind of marries with that first point, right? You're you're starting with poor field position, but on the times where you are marching the ball down the field, you're not finishing with touchdowns or you are getting the good field position from your defense. And again, you're not capitalizing on that with a touchdown. So that is a key, key point and factor in I believe the Falcons being four and five at this point in the season as opposed to six and three five and four again you score some of these are touchdowns instead of field goals I think people are sitting here singing a different tune about this Falcons team the third stat that I have is turnover differential turnover differential is easy right we we've seen the number of turnovers that the Falcons have committed uh so far this season we also know the unfortunately, decreasing number of, of turnovers they're generating. Yeah, they they just had two forced fumbles in this past game. That's awesome. But 
it feels like it's been a long time since Jesse Bates was picking off, you know, three passes to begin the year. And the Falcons definitely need more of those if they want to make a run in the the second half. So they're a minus seven in the turnover margin right now. That is second to last in the league. And that's really telling, right? When you've got a young quarterback in Desmond Ritter or you've got, you know, a bridge guy in Taylor Heineke, you need your team, you need your defense that you invested heavily in to be generating some turnovers, to be giving you some of these easy points. You need some, Arthur Smith's a big basketball guy, you need some of these fast break chances. And the Falcons aren't really creating enough of those for themselves. So looking at the the turnover breakdown a little bit more closely, the Falcons have nine takeaways this season, which are sixth fewest in the league. They have 16 turnovers, which are fourth most. So that's not a uh, that's not the formula you want. You don't want to be turning the ball over more than anybody except for three other teams. And you don't want to be taking it away less than everybody except five teams. It's just not the formula you want. Especially, again, when you're starting with poor field position, some of that plays into it. You've got a young quarterback you're trying to help out. The offensive problems become a little bit clearer to see when you understand, hey, they're not doing some of these things in the margins to make life a little bit easier for themselves. They're doing it the hard way. And these turnovers, their turnovers, the Atlanta Falcons turnovers, meaning their giveaways, are coming in bunches, right? Jacksonville, back-to-back drives. Throw a pick six, you come right back out, you throw another interception. Really tough to live life like that. Washington, they weren't back-to-back, but it was all in the span of, of just like one quarter, and it totally ebbed the momentum out of that game. And then Minnesota, you've got the third quarter late when you're starting to kind of build that momentum. You're taking the lead. Bajan fumbles, Tyler Heineke interception, lets them right back into the game, and then you see where it goes from there. So it's not just that they are committing a bunch of turnovers and they're not getting them back. They're kind of committing them in succession. And that really kills all of your momentum, especially when you don't have a defense that is kind of turning the momentum or turning the tide back in your direction with turnovers of their own. So the Falcons have not done a good enough job of capitalizing on that momentum when they do get the turnovers with kind of that goal to go offense that I talked about, not punching it in and not scoring touchdowns. But then they've also really hampered themselves on the offensive side of the ball by turning it over repeatedly in a short period of time and just giving the other team a breath of life kind of out of nowhere. Now, you give credit to the other teams for punching the ball out or making the big play, but the Falcons need to figure out a way to get this turnover situation righted. And that's hard to do because turnovers can be you know, a little bit of a noisy stat, right? It's going to change week to week. It's not always predictive. The teams that turn the ball over the most don't always turn the ball over the most again the next year. It fluctuates, so it's unpredictable. But the Falcons have to find a way to rein this in, and I would not be shocked at all if that is a huge part of the emphasis. Not over the bye week. You want to give the players a rest, but like this week coming out of the bye week, focus on the ball, reorient on the ball, because you're you're kind of doing some of the other other things well if you can just make life a little bit easier on yourself with these turnovers with the turnover margin and get that closer to just neutral i think the falcons they certainly wouldn't be four and five right if if they were minus two in turnover margin again i feel like they're sitting here at six and three you know that that's just how impactful some of these have been and i'm not making excuses (laughs) the falcons have dug their own bed i'm simply just analyzing and, and trying to give you guys 
what I'm seeing and you know what people would talk about in the building away from the cameras, things like that, the, the stuff that matters. Because when we talk about football and we watch fantasy football and all that stuff, it's the stats and it's the raw stats and it's, it's fun. But coaches are, are insane about little things that like we don't think about. They will obsess over starting field position. And it probably won't get talked about at all during a five-minute preview clip of the matchup that like Ovi and I would do or you'd see on SportsCenter or what have you. Because that's it's not sexy. It's like not that much fun to like talk about, okay, well, starting from the six-yard line versus the 30-yard line consistently, you know, here's how it changes the math. That's kind of obvious, but it's stuff that coaches freak out about because they have to actually go out and play the game. They have to say, okay, well, we have to start at our six-yard line, and I'm so sick and tired of starting in the shadow of our end zone. How do we change that? Because it's hard to live life that way, even though, you know, you may be going to the bathroom and then you come back and you're like, why are they on the six? It's like, well, the punts and then they didn't do. And so I'm just trying to explain a little bit of, of some of these stats that I saw. So I've got two more points off of turnovers, right? So I talked about the turnover margin and I talked about the goal line offense, but this is going to kind of wrap that all up points off of turnovers. The Falcons defense has actually done a really good job. And, and anecdotally and eye test wise, I feel like we all agree that this is true. They've done a good job of limiting the damage when the Falcons have put them in some tough situations with turnovers of their own, right? It may not always be, hey, we held them out of the end zone or we got another turnover to kind of mitigate that. Sometimes it's, hey, we just held them to a field goal, right? But if your opponent's only putting three points up on the board, you can stay in that game and you can come back. It's when they start adding sevens or sixes, I guess, but then, you know, realistically sevens, that's when things snowball. So the Falcons have only allowed 34 points this season off of turnovers. And I tried to find like some context for that. I couldn't, it's not really a, a stat and I'm, I'm not subscribed to like true media or anything like that. So I was just doing the old fashioned kind of grunt work myself. And the closest I could find for some sort of like, grounding of what this statistic is and, and where it is relative to the rest of the league. So they have, they've allowed 34 points off turnovers, right? On October 8th, so essentially a month ago, I saw an article uh, from you know, a New England uh, beat reporter saying that the Patriots at that time were leading the league in points allowed off of turnovers, and they had allowed 45 points. Again, that was a month ago. That was on October 8th. They had allowed 45 points off of turnovers. So far, the Falcons have only allowed 34. And they have given up the ball. They have the sixth, or they have the fourth most, excuse me, they have the fourth most turnovers. And in, again, another month of time, they've still not even reached that number that the Pats had given up on October 8th. So that's the best kind of, again, anchoring point I could find for this particular stat. But I think that's pretty telling, right? 34 points. We... We don't need to go on any further. The Falcons defense has been good at limiting damage off of Atlanta's own turnovers. However, like I said, when the Falcons get their chance to really stick it to another team after getting the ball in, you know, an angry and unfriendly way, they only have 26 points off of those turnovers. Again, they they're not really getting a ton of turnovers. So you can't sit there and say, man, what like what's up? What what's up with all these missed opportunities? They, they haven't had that many of them. However, 26 points, it's not good. It's not what you want. That's a lot of field goals. That's a lot of giving the ball back after you just gain possession. So to be lopsided on that score, honestly, it's a good thing that it's not more lopsided. You expect it to be lopsided in, in the opponent's direction. 
based on how the turnover margin is going. But it it just speaks to the bigger issue of finishing for Atlanta's offense, red zone, goal-to-go situations. That has kind of been the theme here, right? It's the poor starting field position. They're able to kind of move the ball between the 20s. And yet when you get your chances to put points on the board, whether it be turnovers, whether it be in like through the benefit of your own offense moving down the field, think of the the Janu Smith play against Houston, right? That was one of the best drives that they had put together that entire game. It should have kind of gone on to cement the game for Atlanta. That shouldn't have been close to where Young Ku is hitting another game-winning field goal late. But Jonu Smith catches the pass. He gets to, I think they ran that play at the 23-yard line. He gets to the 10. Another nice chunk play. It's going to be a first down. Boom, ball stripped out. Houston gets it. They're moving. Like, that's the stuff I feel like that has happened to Atlanta so much. And it it's why they're four and five. It's because they're just not capitalizing on these chances to put the ball in the end zone. It's why Young Way Koo should be MVP of the league. Nice. But he's the MVP of this team for sure. So it's it's really all been on his leg. They have to find ways to get the ball into the end zone off of turnovers, whether they're starting at the six yard line or whether they are starting at the one yard line. Like by and large, you got to get the ball into the end zone. The last thing about this particular point that I had, because I went and I wanted to do kind of like an a missed opportunity cost. And so I looked at the the turnovers that Atlanta committed in opponent territory, right? And they had seven. So they have seven turnovers so far this season in plus territory, in opponent territory. If obviously those turnovers had resulted in touchdowns, that's 49 extra points that is taken off the board for Atlanta. And some of those, again, they're they're down right there at the one-yard line. That Tampa Bay game, you're at the one-yard line, man. So if we're going to assume that those were all touchdowns, which, you know, is assuming, that's 49 points taken off the board. Right there, that's probably six and three, seven and two, maybe. And you're just looking at those two Detroit Jacksonville games. If those had just been field goals, math majors out there, that's 21 points, right? So, you know, you're you're probably five and four. Again, maybe six and three. But it's these missed opportunities, whether it be because they're turning the ball over, whether it be, you know, they're they're not capitalizing on the chances defensively. You know, it's just a lot of things that all equate to one simple fact. You're not getting the ball into the end zone. Be it one way or the other, they're not getting the ball into the end zone. And that is a key, key issue. Um, My final point, my fifth stat that kind of indicates maybe why the Falcons are sitting here at four and five instead of a better record heading into a winnable game again on the road. And this one is a little bit different than the four that I just touched on, which I think the theme of is... They need better field position. They need to find ways to stop turning the ball over as much to create more turnovers. And then they need to capitalize on their chances, right? That's all pretty of a piece. And it kind of has to do with field position, but then chances and opportunities, right? This final stat has to do more with just your your play-in, play-out operations and the way that you want your team identity to be. And those are the pre-snap penalties, this is the one thing that I think Arthur Smith hates more than anything else, right? And you know, if you don't, <laughs> you don't want to believe me, I have got a quote from him right here. He says, and the pre-snap ones drive me nuts. It's like the little things. What can you control? We can 100% control the pre-snap. I relate to that because 
as a tennis player, my serve is probably the weakest part of my game. And I was told all the time as a little kid, your serve is the one thing you can control 100%. Once the ball is in play, your opponent has a say in everything that happens. Your serve, that is all up to you. And so I can relate a little bit to Arthur Smith being frustrated by that because I understand kind of the, the core concept there. Look, the defense isn't allowed to move. Or if they are, they're, they can't come across the ball. They can't come across this invisible border. So you guys just don't do anything wrong until the ball is snapped and then we'll take it from there. Then the fist fight happens. But you don't fall on your sword before you get to the battlefield, right? And that's kind of what the Falcons have been doing much, much more of this season than I thought they would than they did last year. So the difference really overall in not just pre-snap penalties, but penalties writ large. So far this year, the Falcons have 50 accepted penalties through um, eight games, through nine games. All of last year, they had 68 penalties accepted. They were fewest in the league in penalties per game, 68 all season long in 17 games. Through nine games, they have 50. That's, that is huge. That's an insane increase. They're on pace for 100 penalties this year, right? I mean, I guess not. 17-game schedule really, really makes math hard when it comes to uh, extrapolating all of this out. But you get my point. 50 accepted penalties, way too much so far this year. But let's look even closer at, at some of those penalties, right? So, so far this season, they have had 12, and these are just pre-snap penalties, right? False starts, illegal shifts, delays of game, and illegal formations. At least to me, that's those are pre-snap penalties. Um, they've had 12 false starts so far this year, six of which have stalled a drive. Stalling a drive means that after that penalty or after that infraction, there's not another first down, there are no points added. So half of those false starts so far this season have re resulted in a stalled drive. That's a drive killer right there. They have had four illegal shifts. Only one of those have stalled a drive. They've had three delays of game. I mean, off the top of your head, you guys can probably name a couple. All three of those have stalled a drive. No illegal formations. So there you go. Good, good job, Atlanta. Let's compare that, though, to last year. And this is all year, right? So in nine games, they've had 12 false starts this year. Last year, all season, they had 11 false starts. Six of which stalled a drive. But when you're talking about 17-game schedule, six of those stalled drives is not as bad as when you're talking about six stall drives in a nine-game sample size. So there is a, a huge increase in the number of false starts. Chris Lindstrom is kind of the, the one guy who really has, has struggled with some false starts. He had a couple against Minnesota, uh, some timely ones. So he's too good of a player to, to get into that or to be committing those penalties. I'm going to get into you know maybe why. I At that point, I'm only really speculating, so take that with a grain of salt, but we'll get to that in one second. Illegal shifts, I mentioned. They've had four. Last year, they had one all year long. Delay of game, three so far this year. Last year, all year, they had four. So the pre-snap penalties and penalties writ large, huge uptick, huge uptick. So I mentioned what could be some potential reasons for that. This is one that, that is just, again, I have no evidence for this outside of maybe talking to some of the offensive linemen. And, and next time I get a chance, I, I want to ask them this question. But I, I've noticed, you know, Desmond Ritter has worked on his cadence. It's drawn, you know, Drew Washington offsides like four times. I do wonder if it's having any type of impact on the offensive line at all. You know, 
when Josh Dobbs came in and all this past week, Minnesota has been talking about how he had to like learn five cadences on the sideline before coming in because he'd never actually taken a snap with these guys in practice. So cadences are important. The entire offense is kind of going off of it. They can't just sit there and watch the ball. Um, so I wonder if new quarterbacks kind of new cadences, if that is playing into any of this, but you would hope that by week nine, all of that gets ironed out. So that's another like little feather in the cap of everybody who thought the Falcon starters should have played more than one series in the preseason. You guys are right. We can call this one. I, I think that everybody who felt the Falcons needed a little bit more run in the preseason, they get a W in the, uh, in the win column there. So maybe it's different cadences. You know, maybe it's just new faces, but like that's hard to, that's hard to say when, again, it's Chris Lindstrom who I feel like has had a number of these. Uh, if it was Matthew Bergeron, then yeah, all right, maybe that's a new guy. If it was Matt Collins, all right, yeah, maybe that's a new guy. But like that that one I don't necessarily buy, even though it could be a, an issue. But by and large, there are just issues for the Falcons in with penalties, with certainly pre-snap penalties. And I think the, the case that I've kind of built is you're getting bad starting field position. When you do get your good starting field position, you're not punching the ball in or you're kind of creating other turnovers to give the ball right back. And when you're creating those turnovers, they come in bunches. When all of those things aren't going wrong and you are having to kind of matriculate the ball down the field slowly, you get all of these penalties that pop up. You get pre-snap penalties that are stalling these drives. You get post-snap penalties that make life harder. How many times have we seen the Falcons in a first and 15 or a second and 12 or something like that? And it's just not sustainable. You cannot live life that way in the NFL, which is why it makes these missed opportunities when you don't have to do that all the more impactful. So the Falcons need to find ways to punch the ball in when they get these gimmies, when they get these fast fast breaks, they cannot brick the layup, which they have been doing. But by and large, operationally, and we have heard Arthur Smith say that word so many times this season, they have to be cleaner in order to move the ball down the field. They've been decent at doing that, but they have to be consistent and they have to move the ball to the point to where then they can put the ball into the end zone and not miss those chances when they get there. I have no idea if this podcast is me literally just like telling you guys the obvious for 35 minutes here, Um, but that is all of the work that I did this week, just trying to dive in, get some stats get some real hard numbers as to why the Falcons are sitting in the position that they're in. They've not played horrible football, right? I like they have been in all but two games. They have at times looked really sharp on offense. They have kind of fixed their slow starts. If you look at the quarterback quarter breakdown of the scoring, it's zeros for like the first six weeks. And recently it's seven, seven, three, seven, three. Like they're getting some, some faster starts. They are, I think starting to open up the passing game a little bit more. They're starting to hit some more of these uh, explosive plays that that we weren't seeing a ton of beforehand. I think the chemistry of the offense is is still off. I think it's still a little bit out of sync, but I, I expect that to kind of get tightened up this week into the bye week and then coming out of the bye week. I think you can fix a lot of that stuff. But the stuff that's much harder to fix are these penalties, are these kind of turnover margin? Because again, that can be noisy. That can be random. That can be the other play, team making a great play. It could be a great player who's had a great game making one bad mistake for you. And whether that's Bajan Robinson or Kyle Pitts or who have you, like that can be a little bit trickier and it's harder for a coach to necessarily have a hand in fixing. But the goal to go situations, the pre-snap penalties, 
All of this stuff can be coached. It can be drilled. It can be worked on. Missed tackles that can be worked on. That can be drilled. This is a very critical three-week stretch for the Falcons. I say three weeks because you've got Arizona, which you have to win. you got to win that game. Then you've got the bye week. That is their chance for them to really get under the hood, tinker, figure out what's working, what's not working, and come up with some new stuff that other teams have not seen for this big, pivotal kind of six-game six stretch run uh, down there at the end. And then I mentioned week 12, you got the New Orleans Saints. They're coming to Atlanta. That is your time to hopefully take your reconfigured car out for a test drive, show it to the world, let them say ooh and ah, and put up 40 freaking points against the New Orleans Saints, right? So these three weeks, I, I know I feel like I've said this before, probably every three-week stretch, but like they're gonna, it's going to define the season for Atlanta. If they lose on Sunday, whew, man, we'll have a lot to talk about uh, Ovi and I on Sunday night. If they win that, then the work begins, right? Then you go into the bye week, got to figure that out. I, I think there's a real chance Desmond Ritter comes out of that bye week as the starter again because I think he's got a higher ceiling. I think they needed a little bit of a break to let him kind of catch his breath, get his feet back under him, and get away from all those turnovers that were happening. If Taylor Heineke goes and balls out, who knows, right? The, the ball is still in his court, and it's his to, to take and run with it. But the Falcons aren't going to go anywhere, and it really won't matter who their quarterback is if they don't get these five things cleaned up, right? They need better, more consistent starting field position, whether that comes from more defensive turnovers, less offensive turnovers, or just better special teams play. They need to be better at the goal line. They need to punch the ball in when they get it at the one-yard line. Or if they're running past the goal line, they need to tuck the ball away and not fumble it out of bounds. They need to be better at not turning the ball over. They need to create more turnovers, right? Turnover differential. Get that to swing back in your direction in the second half of the season. Score points off of turnovers when you get them. And then the pre-snap penalties, you got to cut it down, right? I, I think that's going to be the number one thing that the Falcons are freaking out about because, again, they kill drives, six stall drives on 12 false starts. So when you see somebody and you're just like, oh, rolling your eyes on first down, I mean, a coach might break a clipboard over that on Monday because they know how impactful that is and it's 100% in your control. So that's what I got for you guys, those five stats that to me indicate why Atlanta is sitting here at four and five. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, um, I gave my rested voice a nice little workout here today. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. If you'd like to check out uh, the video form, go ahead over to YouTube. We've got a Believe in Falcons YouTube channel. Please uh, like and subscribe that if you uh, are so inclined. Today's podcast, as all of them are, was presented by Bet Online. Again, apologies that this one's coming up a little bit later than promised. Going to be better about that. Um, you will be able to find me and Ovi again Sunday evening, recapping the Falcons-Cardinals game. Hopefully it is a win that gets them back to 500 on the season. And Ovi and I will be talking about kind of the ramifications and where they may go from there. Maybe give some second half of the season predictions um, along the way. So be on the lookout for that. By week, we'll probably go dark for a little bit. Going to still kind of tinker around with some ideas. I'll let you know the full detail on Sunday. So again, be sure to listen to that podcast um, for details to come for the future. But that is it for me today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys so much for the well wishes uh, on Twitter. You guys can follow me at Will McFadden if you're not already. Uh, but that'll do it. I'll talk to you guys on Sunday. Until then, take care.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.